Howdy folks and welcome to episode 4 of the Trainer Mind podcast and I hope you're managing to stay calm amongst the chaos. My guest today is a very close friend of mine, Mr. Phil Graham. Phil has been coaching fitness professionals for many years now and I headed over to Belfast and we had a really good chat and we kind of broke down the things that I talk about a lot on my app and that is what I like to call switchers, that's people who are looking to switch to online training, that is stackers, people who have too many clients and are looking to reduce their hours down and of course we have starters slash strugglers of people who are struggling to get clients. Lots of massive knowledge bombs to be taken away in this episode and I really hope you enjoy. This is Phil Graham. Welcome to the Trainer Mind Podcast. How are you? I am great, Jimmy. How are you? I am amazing. We're, we're in your abode today. We're in my humble abode. Having a kind of a couple of days off, but our version of time off is actually doing stuff we enjoy doing, which is talking, discussing business, yep. talking relationships, talking mindset. Talking everything life. And, and lots of different things. And everything in between. Right. <laughs> and onion every, rings in between. And onion, and onion rings. Lots of onion rings. So I wanted to kind of talk about three things that I talk a lot about with regards to fitness professionals. Yep. And I've kind of put it into three kind of categories. It's kind of starters slash strugglers, which yep. I class as people who are new to the fitness industry or struggling to get clients. We've got stackers, people who have been in a long time. Uh, they've got an abundance of clients, but now they have zero time to do anything else other than work. And yep. then switches of people who are can you know who are training but wanting to do more online or kind of switching their business from more of a physical yeah. to an online business. So yep. we want to get started with strugglers and starters. If you were a new PT now and uh, just starting in the fitness industry, where would you where would your kind of areas of priority be? Okay. With starting your business. Right. Well, I think, you know, I'm going to distill this down into just sort of three core principles because there's obviously a lot that I could go into. And these are what I feel are the most important. I think uh, when you're first starting in the industry, I think one of the most important things that you need to have right is your, your mindset and your self-worth. And to actually know that you're going to play a role in impacting people's lives and I think that you have to have a very strong, clear uh, level of conviction that you're actually capable of helping people. Now, most people that go into the fitness industry at the start usually have gone into it because they've either lost weight themselves, they've been through a transformation themselves, and they've experienced the value that health and fitness brings into their life. And in that respect, that they have the skills and knowledge to be able to pass on to somebody who else is going through those problems. So first of all, knowing that you're able and capable to get a result with a client is very important and knowing that there's an exchange that has to happen for that. The whole purpose of running a business is to make enough money so that you can get continually paid to continue to operate and use that money as fuel to help grow the business. So if you don't have a strong self-belief or you don't have a strong level of you know internal dialogue that knows that you're worth it, it's going to be very, very hard to sell it. And when you don't sell things or you don't uh, look at you know putting value into somebody else's hand you're not going to be able to tell people how you can help and how they can work with you and as a result you're not going to get clients and that's going to massively spill into uh, your confidence lead flow cash flow are in direct correlation to your confidence and if they're not coming in you're going to think it's not worthwhile so i think the first thing is getting really really confident in yourself that you can deliver a result and working on your mindset to the perspective of that you know, you're capable of being paid. Money mindset as well. You know, you can't be overly altruistic and give out too much information for free. Otherwise, you'll burn out. On the other hand, you can't just focus on the money aspect without giving the service. So there has to be a balance there. So making sure that your mindset is focused on one, being 50% altruistic and 50% narcissistic and knowing that you are capable of getting paid to get a result and knowing that you're worthy of it. And I think with clients as well, you know, you don't need to be an actual expert unless you're dealing with a clinical condition. You know, if you're going to get people to lose weight, simply moving more, eating less and, you know, enjoying the process and be able to stick to it for a while. It's, it's given, I think, I want to kind of touch on a few things said there, Phil. Firstly, I think one of the most important things for 
starters is is imposter syndrome, especially yeah. when they're in a new industry. You know, so well, they don't feel that they're you know they they're new. Who's going to want to work with me? Nobody knows me. I've got no confidence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I've never got a result before. Who's going to want to work with me? Well, my first client was my mum, right? Uh, then it was my mom, my mum's friends, and then it built from that. So you know, you have to start somewhere. A large part of you guys that are watching this are going to be comparing yourself to PTs that are super busy and you're going to think that they've got eyes on you. And as a result of that, you're going to be afraid to ask for clients, market yourself because you're worried that you're going to come across salesy. You're going to be technically incorrect. Start with a small selection of people and work your way up. Take your time, but be consistent. And sometimes you just have to put your head down and get on with it and keep pushing. But as long as you're clear on who do you help, how do you help them, and how can they get in touch with you? If that thread is through your content, through your message, you can't go wrong. And that does take confidence to know that you can help people. I think that's the first thing is really getting your mindset on knowing that you can contribute and help and serve and having that conviction to do that and that and get paid for it. That, that Those are fundamental to anything else you do after that. Yeah, and I, I think confidence plays a massive part and, you know, a lot of, what I tend to talk about with new PTs is more mindset on themselves and, and developing that because some of the best PTs that I've seen that have started are just really good at sparking conversation, really friendly with people and they're just in it for the right reasons because they want to help mm. and I think one of the biggest problems that I see with new PTs is they go into, let's just say for example, you know, one, one typical example is uh, a new PT going into, say, a pure gym or a big chain gym. Yep. There's 15 PTs already with their own systems and, and, and what they're doing in there. Now, that can be very, very difficult for a PT to go, well, how do I stand out from the crowd? And my kind of response has always been to that uh, is look at what all the other PTs are doing and do the opposite. Because over time, when a PT gets busy, they develop kind of, and I like what you said there with regards to altruistic and narcissistic. Mm. I see a lot of trainers that go a little bit too high in the narcissistic. They've been there a long time. They've got the t-shirt. They know the clients that they get complacent. So then the habits start to come in once their clients have finished and met, they might've seen nine or 10 clients because they've yeah. got an abundance of it. They're not talking to anyone else. They're yeah. not sparking conversation. And once their, their shift is over, shall we speak? Mm. They're, they're home. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think a new this is where a new PT can clean up because they can look at the narcissistic habits of someone who is popular and go, there is a huge gap now for me to spark conversations with people mm-hmm. and to stand out as a kind of a better trainer to somebody who's new there because it's mm-hmm. like, well, hang on a minute. There's that really, that's a really, that PT never says hello, never nods his head. Mm-hmm. He's always busy. Mm-hmm. And then I've got this new guy who's really, who, who remembers my name mm-hmm who has helped me with a couple of things yeah. and has, hasn't asked for anything in return. You, therefore, in that person's head, becomes the go-to PT. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're doing the opposite of what the busy person is doing. Mm-hmm. And and it's a simple concept, but it's so true. Get used to doing the things that other people aren't doing. Sparking yeah. conversation, helping people without expecting anything in return, in the knowledge that eventually you will get something in return because... It's top of mind as tip of tongue. If you are constantly giving value to someone and they get a benefit from it, it's only a matter of time before they feel a little bit uneasy about constantly going to you without crossing your palm with silver. There's not many people, and I'm the same, if people are constantly doing favours for me that are benefiting me, Mm. I feel guilty enough to go, look, I, you know, as a way that I am as an individual, and 90% of people who aren't um, kind of sociopathic... (laughs) They want to return the favour because this is what we want to do. If you're doing good things to me, yeah. I want to do like, good yeah, things but back. Again, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between doing too much and, you know, being overly altruistic and, you know, yeah. every now and again, you have to show confidence. You know, if somebody wants to take, you know, if you want help implementing this or you want help with this and that, do not be afraid to ask that. And that's a very simple question of, you know, would you like some help? Uh, how does it work? Well, here's how it works. So being really clear on what you're offering to your your audience or your target market is important as well and knowing how to articulate that as well really spend a lot of time on your articulation and the clarity of your value um in terms of how can you help take somebody from a problem to an outcome that is either an aspirational identity or a deep wanted want or desire and um you know we can touch on elements of that but the first bit is is mindset and you know making a commitment to service and service is not only to the other people, the clients, but it's also to yourself. You have to serve yourself. 
So that's the the first thing. Um, the second thing in respect to that sort of startup group, again, it really depends on the context of whether you're online or if you're a PT, but generally speaking, you know, uh, learning how to sell is, is paramount. Learning how to ask for money. And again, that links back to the previous one. A lot of people are scared to ask for money, especially over here in the UK and Ireland because they're worried about looking greedy. They're worried about asking for money. Uh, and sometimes they can have a belief in the back of their head that, oh, am I just focused on the money and not the service? You need to get paid in order to deliver a great service and be at your best. If you're not getting paid, you're not going to last. So learning some uh, really good quality sales skills, learning how to overcome objections, learning how to present your offer and all that kind of stuff is really important as well. And I think three on top of that as well is, you know, selling the transformation. You know, your clients don't necessarily want to know technical details. They want to know how you're going to take them from before to after and you know highlighting how you've worked with people before if you've got case study results that's probably going to be the best marketing tool that you can and in the early startup phase when you haven't got clients it's typically harder because you haven't got case studies and sometimes you do need to get some good ones for free in order to portray your value there is nothing that will get you leads quicker than a good quality transformation if you've had a transformation and you have put that result up, you will get friends and like-minded people with similar challenges and problems wanting to reach out because they've seen evidence of it documented before and they want to get that result themselves. So making sure that you are really due diligent in collecting case studies and testimonials and uh, knowing how to sell and making sure that your mindset is right, your self-belief is right, your self-image is strong, you're clear on where you're going, what your vision is and what your purpose is, and if you're watching this right now, ask yourself, you know, one simple question. What is the true intent of my work? What do you want to do? Who do you want to impact and why do you want to do it? And if you can't explain that in a clearly articulated sentence, then you may be in the wrong career. Yeah, you're not going to last long. There's not many, believe it or not, there's actually very few personal trainers that can actually articulate that. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think a lot of... And I see that's missed so much because that's where that energy comes from to be yeah. able to push out of the crowd yeah. of people. Yeah. This is me, you know, if I'm rewinding, this is me suddenly deciding I want to be a personal trainer, putting £16,000 on my credit card and then cycling wind, rain and shine to my little studio on my dad's bike, which I've borrowed because I genuinely loved getting up in the morning. I wasn't getting the benefits of what I was doing at the moment, but that kind of work well, ethic think, and passion, yeah. eventually, very, very quickly as well, might I add, rubs off on a lot of people who was paying me money and suddenly things start to happen because I had that passion and purpose for what it was that I was doing and I loved helping people. There's nothing better than people paying you money and them getting what they paid for. That is, you know, if you have values and what it is, and, and, and I think this is such an important thing, if you really, really care that once you have somebody's money, that it is now your responsibility to get them the result. Yeah, and I think the way a lot of personal trainers go is they fall in love with training and, you know, getting in shape, and then they turn that into a business, and then they don't know how to run a business, yeah. and then what basically happens is they're still caught in this sort of like half dilemma of I enjoy training slash I need to make money and there's no clear vision of how to package the two together and, and grow it. And, you know, I would I would hand on heart say that probably only 10% of the industry only ever really get there. Yeah. But it comes out, you know, I, I've said this before um, and I, I use this as uh, the 99-1 principle and it, they use it for the internet, but I've kind of coined it with everything else. 90% of people won't do fuck all, regardless of what industry it's in. 9% will do something and 1% will do everything. So you kind of need to ask yourself what category you fall in, into at the moment. You know, it might be that at the moment you're doing nothing and now you need to start doing something. And when you do something long enough, you need to start upping your game if you want to make it to that 1%. But then that comes down to that 10%. Mm. It's like, yeah, like a lot where of people are you? Will, you know, a lot of you guys that are in the startup phase will sit there and you know, sit and ponder and contemplate as to how something needs to be worded and put together and you've every right to do that. But sometimes you're overthinking and your procrastination is holding you back and you're worried just about Mike up the road saying that you, you, you that's not scientifically correct. Like here's a reference. Fuck that. Just get it out there. Start, build and craft as you go. 
And the reality is, you know, share your experiences of the challenges that you had with your journey. I mean, that's the whole reason why you're, you know, going down your own self-entrepreneur route. Yeah. Um, and, you know, try to connect with people that were like you. you try to talk. I, I always looked at it when I was a personal trainer. I always tried to talk to the overweight me whenever I was marketing and stuff like that back in the day, um, especially when I was selling. You know, you have to relate and connect to the customer on that level. So, yeah. yeah. And um, a great quote, which I say to people all the time, it's by the guy who created LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman. He said, um, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you launch too late. Yep. And I love that because now I talk a lot in my seminars and that about my first products and I actually put them up on there and they were, <laughs> there's only, I think one word to describe them in comparison to how it's disgraceful. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> I had this 36 day lean mass guide for like 36 days to build lean mass, Phil. Do you want it, mate? Do you want it? <laughs> there's, a type, there's, it a, there's a typo on the third page. Too. <laughs> oh, but that was the best of what I could do at the time. Yeah. And, you know, that was a great... I, I got my I brother, brother recording me. Yeah. I edited it in iMovie and I put it out there on a PDF and I made about, I think about £11,000 because it was a £12 pound product. Yeah. And I, it, when you look back at, when you look back at some of the stuff that you've produced originally, it's sort of like, how the fuck did I let that slide? Yeah, ex exactly. But, but it's all that you knew, But it's right? all you knew at exactly, the time. Right? And I think so many people beat themselves up. Like if you aren't doing this in the knowledge that in about 10 years time, you're going to look back and go, what the fuck was yeah. I doing? Then you're never going to do it. the humility to be able to do that. And, you know, speed is such an important thing in business. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, exactly. I think there's a, when I say speed, there's like common sense and there's speed. There's sloppiness and there's. Yeah. Well, there's common sense and speed, which is basically being realistic, but acting proactively. And then there's like emotionally fear-driven speed, which is just basically driving without a seatbelt, driving too fast, drunk. Yeah. Um, I, I have it, Dan, as I wasn't even trying, as in you do it so quickly and do a bad job. And because you do a bad job, like you can justify the fact that it fell because you're like, well, I didn't pay that, that much attention yeah, to it. Yeah, or you can be trying too hard and you can tire yourself out and fatigue yourself and have blind spots because you're just hyper focused on certain things and not looking at the big picture and you know that can come with fear especially in respect to lead gen or you know sales not closing sales and stuff like that so the you know there's a lot of dynamics to that so i want to move over now from the other end of the spectrum mm. going from strugglers and starters to what i like to call stackers and what i class as a stacker is somebody who's probably doing 50 hours of PT a week, probably doesn't have much of a social life and is afraid to say no to things because they don't want what they've currently got to kind of die down. And I'm sure, you know, you get a lot of this with PTs. You know, they're like, yeah. I am so overwhelmed. You know, I'm busy. And they find it hard to talk to someone because they're like, oh, a boo-hoo, poor you, yeah. earning all of this money and not having enough time to do stuff. Mm. Um, and that can be very, very difficult. So what would you say yeah. the first thing that a person like that needs to do with their business? But believe it or not, I actually work with people that are 90% in that space. And it's a very shitty place to be yeah. because it's you basically... So you classify people as, you know, you know, stackers and switchers and stuff like that. Um, I have it where it's, I call the startups the fireballs because they're just super emotional and just trying to find things out. <laughs> I love that, yeah. And then the next level is called the workhorse. And I call the workhorse, which is pretty much the guys that are overworked, undercharging, undervalued and trapped and don't know what the fuck to do. And they're scared to change the price point because they're worried about losing clients and they want to grow their business and they know they're capable of growing their business, but adding another 50 clients is going to break them. So what do you do in that circumstance? Well, I think the first thing is to get really, really clear on one question. It, you know, what do I want from my business uh, on a personal level? Like, do you want it to, to give you money? Do you want it to give you impact? Do you want to give it freedom? Do you want it to give you fun? And if you go through those factors, which one is not there? And for nine times out of 10, it'll be freedom and fun. And normally when you start, making more money you realize that freedom and fun are actually paramount to your health and your overall well-being and when you look at the money you're not getting a chance to spend it it's probably sitting mostly under your bed as cash if you're a pt and the reality is you're sort of just like 
limiting your learning because you don't have even time to spend on your business. And then when you get to the weekend, you get a breath of fresh air. And before you know it, you look at your diary on Sunday night and you're like, fuck, I'm back into this shit again. Monday the whole way through. And it's one of those places where it's actually quite risky from a business perspective because normally when you're that busy, you don't have time to market yourself. And when you don't have time to market yourself, you're sort of like a best kept secret. Whilst you're well known in your gym, safe to say your business is reliant upon that gym. If that gym were to close, if management were to come in or something like that, and something was to interfere with that operational process, um, you sort of have to build yourself up from scratch. So, you know, in that respect, I think the first thing to ask is what do I want from my business and is it giving it to me? And if the answer is no, then that should guide what you need to do next. In terms of other things, again, general principles, if you're overbooked, you generally potentially need to look at a price increase. And if you're thinking about, I can't increase the price point for certain clients, keep certain clients that refer like crazy and that you love at a certain price point because they're not much work anyway. And look at the new clients coming in at a higher price point so you can make more money per hour. Or what we specialize in and what I love doing is getting coaches to go from one-to-one to one-to-many. One to That's one-to-one to one-to-two to one-to-three. Uh, we've had guys go from 40, 50 hours a week down to 13 or 14 whilst maintaining the sale revenue. So it's like, how do you operate that? How do you systemize it? How do you work the booking systems? How do you charge for it? And that is a model change that will cause anxiety with a lot of one-to-one -one coaches. But they uh, have to understand with that, that's it's a win-win for both parties. I, I would argue that if, if people are coming in as a two and a three, they're more likely to be consistent with the sessions because they don't want to let the other two or the other one well, down. Yeah, I mean, it really... And it, and it sometimes works out cheaper because yeah. they're still paying for the same hour, but instead of mm. paying 60 quid an hour, they're paying maybe 40 yeah. or 30. Yeah, well, it really depends on a number of things like the facility kind of facilitated. Yeah. If you're a one-to-one -one coach, you actually like doing groups. And then also as well, like some clients can be like, oh, I just want you to all to myself. Yeah. So... You know, it's one of those things that needs to be articulated properly. It needs to be set up properly. It needs to be done properly in order for it to work. Um, but it is definitely something that can bring your time down. And I mean, if you're in a situation where you're frustrated and you don't like what you're doing, you've either got a price increase or you've got a model change um, or you cut down your hours um, and you really just use that extra time to build another revenue stream if money is a major thing for you. Um, so those are two fundamental things. In terms of third, you know, there's a lot of stuff outside the business that you probably could be delegating, like your accounts, um, certain things with client onboarding and bits and pieces with software or another half or things like that. Um, you know, so there's certain aspects that can be, you know, delegated off and systems and processes start to come into that sort of audience. So that sort of crowd um, with the onboarding, with the retention, with the check-ins. Um, and support, I think one of the big, big things with support is making sure that you're not available all the time and giving yourself permission to have dedicated time or open office time to help with clients and not be in this sort of super scatterbrain, um, I'm available anytime kind of yeah. fool. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's like when you're making money off uh, your clients, sometimes you can be overly altruistic and like, you know, take messages at 12 o'clock at night. And all you're doing there is just conditioning the clients to rely on you and also like sort of training like lack of respect because they will just message at any time and, and shotgun you. You don't want that, right? And, and we've said, you know, we said this this morning about filling up your vessel first. Um, and I think the biggest problem is, is you know, if, if, if we were to treat somebody else like we treat ourselves sometimes. Mm. Like if we were to treat our clients like we treat ourselves, they wouldn't be clients for very long. Mm. You know, not getting the food that we eat, not getting the sleep that we need, you know, not getting the time off that we need. And you need to start understanding that the biggest asset in your business is you, yep. especially if you're the, you are the business and you need to treat yourself. And I, I, I love it that someone coined this phrase, you need to treat yourself like a million dollar racehorse. If you just spent a million dollars on a racehorse, would you give it, you give it the best fucking food, you give it plenty of sleep and rest because you've invested a lot of money into it. Well, guess what? You know, if you're not fully rested and recovered, slept and fed, then you're not going to be able to deliver a good enough product for your clients. You're not going to be able to 
scale your business and charge more money because you're yep. fucked and, you're, and and people can see that. Your clients can see it if you haven't rested that because it transitions into your work. Well, you know, if you're in that situation where you're doing 40, 50 hours a week, you know, two, 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 two important considerations. One, uh, how much longer are you going to be able to sustain that? Uh, two, you're building a house of cards. And, you know, realistically, you're going to be stuck at that business level for the rest of your life. And in order to evolve from that, you do need to break the pattern. And that can be uncomfortable, but we all know that challenge brings growth. And that's a big, big area that a lot of those trainers inside that, the workhorse, I call them, need to need to face. I need to change my model. I need to change my pricing um, or I need to delegate. And again, it, it's highly dependent on what, whether you're a gym owner, whether you're an online coach, whether you're a PT, I don't know what. But um, typically that's whenever you're doing everything, you're spread too thin and you can't grow. Cool. I mean, so such powerful advice mr graham right so the last one that we're going to talk about is switches now switches i define as two things people looking to transition from physical pt to online or people who have never done online training before now of course both yourself and i you know predominantly run well, I run my entire business online yep. now, as do you. And we've both come from I a background of the, being the, PTs. Back, back in the day, I think like we were like the first sort of bunch of people that yeah. did online coaching, right? Exactly, yeah. And, I you know, know you did like the programs. I did more of the one-to-one stuff. Yeah, like, I, I did a lot of the one-to-one yeah, stuff. Like, I did a lot of the comp prep stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, there was yeah. one stage, 2013. <laughs> no, yeah, 2013, I had 150 online clients. Yeah. And it would take me 16 hours to check in with them because they're from different countries. I had this yeah. big Excel spreadsheet and I'd just go through every single or person on a Monday. Oh, man. Um, yeah. But, you know, you go from that, you get the systems in place, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people now, of course, have never done any kind of online stuff. They see it all the time. They're, you know, they're a little bit reluctant to because there's a lot of people out there promising the world and delivering nothing. What would you, to somebody who's going, right, Phil, I've got a business, you know, I am a, I'm of work, working 40, 50 hours, but my goal now is I want to work 20 hours, one-to-one PT, and then I want to pick up 15 online clients. How would I, where would I yeah. start? Well, I, I think, think a couple of things that you've got to bear in mind about the illusion of online training is, is first of all, this. Um, I'm going to hit you with a couple of negatives first, and then I'm going to go into a couple of positives. So one, uh, it's not as easy as you think. Uh, two, uh, it's really boring. Uh, three, you need to be a very good marketer because you're not just looking at uh, your friends and your family on your social media feed, you're having to be very proactive in putting yourself out there and really getting into the hearts and minds of your target market. And that can be international. You know, if you're a personal trainer in London, you know, you could have clients in France, you could have clients in, in Ireland, right? So you got to ask yourself, how can I get in front of those people? And then you're into the realms of organic marketing and then you're into the realms of paid marketing and there is more logistical uh, aspects to that there is more uh, theory and understanding of knowing how to market first but you should know that your organic stuff is what you need to master first before you go to pay it um, in terms of benefits yes you can make a lot of money from it um, to its leverage you can look at it when you want and check in when you want um, uh, yeah it's a very you know you can still take your IP and your skills and you can monetize those online without having to do it physically and the big, big difference between being a real-life PT and an online coach is you need to be a better marketer to be an online coach. Um, you know, I, I remember back when I was a personal trainer, uh, I never advertised for clients once. I always had referrals. I always had people seeing what I was doing in the gym. I never needed to market once. However, when I was going online, I definitely didn't need to market for those clients, okay? So that's the first consideration. Um so again, it, it, it really boils down to, you know, do you know your target market? Do you know how to talk to them? And do you know how to sell? Because you're going to have to attract the right people. Then you're going to have the conversation and then you're going to have to sell them in. And if you know what sales is like, sometimes messaging people back and forth, they'll ghost you. They'll say they can't afford it. It can be very frustrating. So you need to have a strong mechanism to convert those people. And quite often that's a sales call or conversation 
Um, a sales page can most certainly work, but you need to invest in things like a copywriter and stuff like that or know how to write good copy to do that. So there's a couple of thorns in your side before you're thinking about switching. But if you are fed up of working on the gym floor, if you want to travel more, if you want to have more free time and stuff like that, then it is definitely a, a viable model. Okay. And again, you can scale it up to a certain point until you get to a certain number of clients where you can't do anymore. Um, and then you have to maybe look at other systems or somebody else to help you with check-ins. But in respect to, you know, getting your first clients, I think the first thing you got to decide is who you want to be a hero to, who you want to be important to, and then communicate that message very clearly with clear call to actions on how people can work with you. Do that organically, be consistent, and understand that the marketing that you do now is creating the business in three to six months time. It's not like you market all of a sudden and you get clients. You've got two aspects to marketing. You've got lead generation, which is the proactive, hey, do you want to work together? Right through to the lead nurture aspect, which is the, the building up of trust uh, and you're building up capital in somebody's bank, right? So, you know, there'll be a certain amount of times that you'll put out your content and it'll resonate with people and you'll build up capital in, in, in their sort of trust bank. And then it'll get to the point where they realize they need help and you're the go-to in the back of their mind. So again, consistency with content is a huge thing. Clarity of target market and messaging, making sure that you're talking about the pain points that they're going through and how you want to bring them to uh, a transformational identity that's, that's obviously inside their dreams and how your unique mechanism can do that. So I think, you know, mastering the art of messaging and copywriting and knowing how to write good basic stuff or if you're like me, taking that and being able to do it verbally over video um, I'm much better on camera. I can articulate myself better writing slower for me and it just works for me to speak on video. Uh, secondly is knowing how to sell and three is knowing the client's journey. So what happens the minute that they purchase right through to when they potentially want to leave? Like what are the checkpoints? How does the check-ins work? How does the planning work? How does the accountability work? How does your support work? What training and resources do you give them whilst they're with you? And again, think about the outcome. Like if somebody was going to work with you what are the big problems that they have? One or two or three big problems. And what are the one or two or three big promises that you can make, right? So what are the promises that you can make to a overweight individual that comes to work with you? Can you guarantee they will lose 10 pounds? Can you guarantee they will add X to their bench press? Can you guarantee that they will drop two belt sizes, right? So being really clear on your problems and your promises and communicating that um, I mean, there's so many things that I could go into, but those are some solid fundamentals. Yeah, and I think it's, we'll go back to what you said about, um, you know, being consistent with it. I think I want to kind of talk about that because if, for example, you're a PT getting physical clients and you're not in the gym talking to people and creating relationships and you're at home doing nothing, then you're not going to get any physical clients. Same thing as online. You wanted to go on online training, yet you've posted twice on Instagram this week. That's it. That's exactly the same to look at as if you're not actually turning up to work because online training involves you being online. <laughs> Simple as that. So consistency with content, consistency with reaching out to people. You know, Instagram is such a powerful tool when it comes to it, especially Instagram stories. You've got things like polls. You've got things like questions. And the most amazing thing ever is you can DM people. You can direct message them. You can leave them a voice note. You can talk to them. And you can spark those conversations to get those clients. It's so easy. I mean, I guarantee you could probably pick up three online clients today by doing a poll or asking a question and saying, what are you struggling with? And then reaching out to the people that say that they're struggling with something and then sparking a conversation. It, it, is, it can literally be as simple as that, but at the same time, very difficult because you are doing things that make you uncomfortable because you've never done them before. And I think, you know, something that you, you were speaking about, Phil, with regards to talking on video, one, one of the most scariest things that people um, are literally petrified of doing, going live, pet, once again petrified, talking all of these things are very scary things but yeah. they're all essential for growth because they're yeah. the things that people don't want to do yeah well i mean they're all different ways to skin the cat and the reality is you know you want to be making contact with your audience you 
you want to be capturing their attention and you want to be literally letting them know that you get their problems and that you're the person that can help and you've got proof you've got a mechanism you've got a system whatever way that you package up your skills into an online coaching program that can get them a result and uh you know it's about it's about finding a platform that is right for you you know going live and doing videos and stuff like that you mean you've got to go through all of that to find out what works for you and you will find your own unique mechanism i know that writing for example takes me far too long i overthink it and it's just not an effective and efficient vehicle for me whilst i still do it the odd time it's not my primary mode of communication the easiest thing for me to do is put on a podcast and communicate um which is why i love doing my podcast and why i love doing on camera as well like i'm i can articulate very clearly get my point across without without overthinking or getting writer's block and that just works for me okay and there are more advanced things where you can get it transcribed and stuff later down the line if you're more an advanced trainer and you're you're into repurposing content but um yeah i mean you got to find that right what is my one main platform that all my people are on and how is the best way for me to do it is it audio is it video is it written is it with a picture is it with an infographic is it with a quote? Like, what works for you? And and sometimes you're not going to know that until you throw enough shit at the wall to see what sticks. And something I said last week, and you know, I heard Gary Vee say this a long time ago, a lot of things in life are quality over quantity. But when it comes to content and getting your message out there, it's quantity over quality. And that's not to say the quality needs to be shit. It's just you don't know what people are resonating with until you put lots of things out. Because if you put 100 posts out in a month, then you have the insights to have a look at, to say, look, this is what my audience mm. want, to, want to see, want to listen to. Yeah. And you pick up on, the thing is, is everything that you are posting, be it a podcast, be it uh, a video, be it um, kind of, any, you know, be it an email, et cetera, et cetera. You get the analytics, you get open rates, you get views, you get clicks, you get all of this stuff, which once again, many people don't, review to find out what works and success leaves clues if you're getting a lot of engagement on things and a a great example of this um a couple of weeks ago i went live to do my sunday content and i got a little whiteboard out and i literally wrote on it took a photo and then posted it on monday and, and it was a really highly engaged post so i was like right two things there that thing took me less than five minutes to make and the return on investment with regards to um, what my audience want was high. So if you look at my Instagram feed now, for the last few weeks, I've, I've done six or seven similar posts with different quotes and context. And they've all surpassed a lot of the other content which I've produced, which takes much, much longer. So I wouldn't have known that had I not spent time looking at my insights and going, do you know what? There's two things I'm looking at here. Here, this one is highly engaging, but also doesn't take me that much time. And you're not going to know what those variables are unless you try different things with your message. Once again, with open rates, once again, I said with video, with podcast, you get all of those insights. But if you don't produce enough things, you're not going to get that feedback. Yeah, and it's just, you know, approaching the content with different angles, um, and stuff like that all the time is really, really important. Um, and I do really believe that, you know, with a business that you want to master the organic stuff first before you go to pad. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, you need to, if you ever need to go to pad, I mean, we have some guys that don't even rely on any pad marketing at all. And I think that that can be quite a healthy place to be. You know, if you don't rely on pad marketing, it just means yeah. another thing you don't have to learn or, or use, you know? It, it can be an icing on the cake. I mean, something that we, I used to do when I had my gym facility, but, uh, and it's a very low-cost thing. If we have a local, you know, a local thing going on, it's a game-changer to put 50 quid on a Facebook ad and set the location of 10 miles within the radius of the gym because we're marketing a physical product. Mm. And if you're a PT, you can literally clean the you know say clean the floor hopefully you're not cleaning the floor as a pt by now but you can actually set a challenge or something or do a fat you know a great thing to do that a lot of pts don't do put a little fat loss seminar on on the weekend for clients of the gym but also for people around and put 30 40 quid spend on it just so people in that area see it and then you might pick up two or three people that come to the fat loss seminar, you drop some knowledge and then you've sparked that conversation. That 30, 40 quid, if you pick three clients 
and your you know that even pick your lowest package yeah. you've probably got six times seven times your money back i think a, a big thing you know for you know if i look back at both of our careers um that really really grew it really quickly was we were both public speaking yeah from the start um you know, we, I, think we, that's how we, I think that's a great thing to transition because i mean it's you know we we became like when we were in, uh, we're talking as if we're like fifty years of age now. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> but when we were in, when we were in the trenches, right? When you were deep in your PT training here at the old yeah. uh, rock pit, and you know I was doing all my online thing and yeah. all my preps, and you know I had my, I was doing lots of vlog stuff. You know my yeah. business was based on the subscription model, yeah. um, com and it was all about me. It was all about prepping for shows, yeah. doing all stuff. And, you know, it was a thriving business, which I really, you know, you look back, really enjoyed doing. But what got us to where we are now was the things that other people weren't doing. Video content, mm. public speaking. Yeah. And and these were not easy, like yeah, a lot of these things. Like, like they public, weren't easy like, things like, for me. Like public speaking, and I, I did a podcast. Can you remember your really first now? public talk? Uh, yeah. One of my first first public talks was a nutrition seminar in um up the other end of the country in a gym and it was about 60 people there and yeah i mean like you're getting to communicate to 60 people at once that are in a room with you for multiple hours you've got photographs like back then it was only really like instagram wasn't big um it was facebook yeah um but i mean you know back then even you know doing the body pars and you know all the other fitness expos and then doing the, the european ones and you know then being asked by gyms independently to come and speak it was a great way for me to grow my audience really quick build trust really quick provide social proof that i was an authority um but i mean i was into that i was doing the the educational side as well as the training side and um you know i like I leveraged it. like a lot of the this public speaking stuff when I was initially scared to do it when I first started I just went this is going to grow me it's better for me I'm just going to do it bump go and I just looked at the op- these challenges as opportunities and that's how I saw them I always remember having this framework in my head of oh you're being asked to speak at this event well that's going to be quite intimidating because such and such is going to be there and you know I was speaking with like you know Brad Schoenfeld and Alan Aragon at some things and I was like fuck I was like right okay i better be on point with my information here yeah um and i was just like yep go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead and if i hadn't have had that mindset like somebody else would have done it and i you know public speaking was definitely a huge huge thing yeah and i think you know i remember my first one it was a comp prep seminar and i wasn't expecting many people to turn up and we ended up having 80 people i threw up three times and I remember that I kind of remember mumbling the first five minutes, and then after that, I got into my stride. And I talk about that because I, it didn't come naturally to me public speaking. I came from a military background. I was a very wooden character, full of ums and ahs, and you know, I was wooden, wooden. wooden. Um, you know, literally, like I, I would, I would get, <laughs> I get, I get shit done. I'd be dedicated, you know, and I'd always get results with myself, but. When it came to things like public speaking, shit scared of doing it. When it comes yeah. to video, it, I was like, I remember my first videos. Hi, Jamie. Um, I'm going to go and train now. Okay. Bye. <laughs> and it's literally like that. And if you look at the Have different... you got the old videos? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got... Oh, mate, I've got them all. I've got them all. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll show you some. Um, and, uh, and, and just... It takes a while to get a personality and... Also, when it comes to public speaking, it's not just being able to talk. You know, there's lots of other things I think as that well, people don't like, understand, like the power of freeze, yeah, pausing, yeah. pacing. And I think now, like, you know, you could you could say to yourself, is it more difficult now because there's more people doing it? And I don't really think it is. I think it was more difficult for us to do it because nobody was doing it. And you were like a fucking weirdo when you did it, right? Yeah. Whereas everybody's doing it now. So you're like, well, that's sort of normal. And like now it's like, you know, when we were doing it, it's like, fuck, did you see the video of your mom? <laughs> what's, he, what's he fucking doing? <laughs> he, who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> but then 
it, it's become so normal now. And th- th- I think this is the most important thing. Yeah. Like, a lot of this, like we're doing now, we're sitting on this sofa, you know, having a chat. We've got two cameras on and like, and we're just so accustomed to it now. It's just, yeah, it's so just a normal, a, yeah, it's, a good, it, it's a normal thing. And, and I think so many people get that kind of feeling as everyone's going to be looking at me thinking yeah. what I'm doing. And, you know, many years ago, yeah, they were. Oh, but yeah, even, yeah, and even yeah. today, if you're in, on your, if you're on your phone talking to people, yeah. you still have people going, what's all this about? Yeah. And you've really got to get out of that com- like that discomfort because they're not the ones paying your bills. They're not the ones watching I the videos. Said, like, you know, the people that give you flack are the people that are never going to buy from you. So why worry about them? You know, there's a proportion of people in that that are going to matter. And those are the people that are going to take value from what you say. And it's those people that you've got to focus on. Um, you know, and if somebody else is, you know, realistically, you know, you're not going to be able to grow your brand or market yourself or go on video and it's going to be challenge free. There are going to be people that make fun of your accent. People made fun of my accent for, who, do, who thinks he's fucking American? <laughs> then I realized that I was talking American because like, Cause you, American. you've had too many gins. <laughs> I, was, I was talking an American dialect because it was like one, either off a call from America or two people didn't understand Northern Ireland. And it was easier for you to, easier, yeah, right? yeah. It was sort of like my alter ego when I went on and, you know, I was just like, I want to be really, really clear. I want to be really, really succinct. And Northern Irish doesn't do it. <laughs> but then that's also important because... But I adapted you know, to that. But I know what, you know, I know what Americans are like. They're, you know, you go over there and talk with a very strong... Northern Irish, they'd be like, what? Yeah, like what? I remember a couple of times when I spoke, I was like, can you, can you speak up again, please? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I just think I went American <laughs> just a small loan just of a million dollars. dollars for those of you who don't know what on earth we're on about I'm, I'm actually going to put this in it's a it's a Donald Trump thing that, that Phil sent me ages ago yeah just like you know like life isn't that bad life isn't that bad I got a small loan from my dad no, of I a million life was it? wasn't easy life wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> life wasn't easy I will get there my life wasn't easy but I got a, well, I got a small loan of a million dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh right <laughs> on that on that note any any passing words of advice phil before we end this uh, incredible podcast yeah i think um a lot of you guys that are watching this are and listen and listening uh, and listening to this are maybe in a place right now where you're happy and you're confident with the service and stuff but you're just uncertain about the whole future of this thing and where it's going to go in five years ten years and are you still going to be making the money that you are right now and what i would really really urge you to do is really just think about what's important right now for you what do you want out of this business why are you doing it is money the main factor or is impact the main factor that you're after is freedom the main factor that you're after um you know, get really, really clear on why you're in this industry. Get really, really clear on why you're pushing for a certain figure or a certain uh, amount. Um, and don't get caught up in comparison or minimizing yourself purely based on what you see on social media. I think, you know, that is it's so easy to assume that somebody else is busy and killing it. It's easy to assume that when you see all these six-figure fucking stuff floating around, that it's e- it's easy building a six figure business is incredibly tough and you will have lashings on your back and you'll have scars in your face trying to do it you'll have friends that will betray you you will have family that will distance themselves from you it's a very lonely challenging thing and wait till it, you can, then wait till you go on the path to seven <laughs> when, uh, yeah i mean but get to six first which you know awesome. the, the 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 reality is um you have to be very, very clear on why you're doing it and what you're putting yourself through. The worst thing in the world is getting through all of that challenge only to turn around and say that I wanted to keep up appearances um, and you've lost yourself in the process. Um, and That process is the growth process, but you've got to take it one step at a time. Don't get caught up in anxiety comparing yourself to somebody else and neutralize your current focus. Um, so stay really, really grounded, guard your inputs, guard what you look at, only follow people that are adding value to your life, remove anybody else and be ruthless with that. Don't be, don't be, don't be apologetic, just remove them and make sure your days are structured, make sure your life is structured, make sure you're clear in what you're doing and be prepared for challenge. You're never going to have a life that's plain sailing. And I, when I talk about challenge, I don't just mean business, I mean personal stuff. Personal stuff can come in and throw the business off. Business stuff can come in and throw the personal stuff off. So being around good people, getting support when you need it, don't be afraid to ask for support. 
um, and taking action as well. And the only way you're going to take action is if you see enough value in it. So constantly reevaluate those kind of questions in your head and ask why, what do I need to do, get clear on who you can get help from and enjoy it. Right. I think that's yeah, one of the in, biggest in, yeah. things. Is, is, I think that's important. You know, like we've both been through a lot of business stuff that we haven't enjoyed. Yeah. To the point where we've been doing things just because they're comfortable. And then it's taken to the point where it's like, fuck, we really need to reevaluate this. And sometimes you have to get frustrated enough in order to change. Um, and some of you may have that frustration bubbling right now. Um, so, you know, you know, you look, you're, you're with yourself 24 seven, you're in your head 24 seven. So the most important person you got to look after and be on your A game with is you. Yeah. Wise, wise words, Mr. Graham. If people are looking to find more of your stuff, where's, where's best for them to go? Yeah, just go to uh, podcast, the fitness entrepreneur podcast, or go to phil-graham.com. Get me on Instagram, mindset, business, wealth stuff all good stuff so you may follow it it, it, it is and you know there's there's a reason this this uh this hunk of a man is a very good friend of mine because yeah. we do bounce a lot of ideas off each other i said um i'm i'm making a transition now in you know i've been doing a lot of b2b stuff for the last few years um it's a it's, it's a massive it was a massive hobby of mine which is now a massive passion of mine and of course now is moving into my business so i learned a hell of a lot of phil it gives me a lot of kind of guidance i haven't been doing this for a few years now um and we, and we do bounce a lot of great ideas and i do love coming over here phil and just um chatting lots yep. and uh just sharing ideas because always walk away better than you know you found me and yep. i found you which is always always like makes a, a good it's relationship like a, it's like a charge point right it's yeah like one of those points where you know we can relax for the day talk business without criticism without judgment be open-minded take new ideas um think reevaluate, plan and you know have a great laugh and at the same time and, and link in personal life as well and you know yeah. i think you know when you look at your friendships guys you know your friendships need to be like like you know there's so many of you that probably just have friendships that are just you know commodities they're just there for the sake of it like a real friendship should be constructive, should pull you, should grow you, should ask you questions, um, and should keep you accountable to a degree, right? It should have depth to it. And, you know, we, we're very fortunate enough to have a relationship where, um, you know, we can ask deep questions and we can open our mouths without fear of, you know, how is this going to be interpreted? Yeah. Um, because, you know, well, we're, we're both entrepreneurs and, we're, you know, we're both going through this crazy journey and, you know, you guys are on it too. And you need to have people that are there to signboard, help you unwire, and you know, literally just clean your thinking. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Well, Phil, thank you ever so much for coming on the Train of Mind podcast. My pleasure. And My pleasure. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh-huh.